Welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. The next sequel that we're going to be reviewing is on the Mount Rushmore of movie sequels. It's one we've talked about for a long time that we wanted to do, and it's finally the day has come. Well, next week is the day, but I'm talking aliens, and aliens led me to chatting with actor Rico Ross. Rico was somebody I reached out to like three days before we did that Death Wish 3 reunion. He was busy. He couldn't make it, but I'm so happy that I finally got a chance to talk to him because, man, he had quite the story to tell. Of course, we talked Death Wish 3. As you know, one of my favorite movies of all time. We talked Aliens. He had a lot of behind the scenes. And also, another movie that seemed like everybody that was over in England at that time auditioned for Full Metal Jacket, and he got it. You're going to love that story about him and Kubrick and Cameron when it comes to aliens. But I love this origin story. A teacher said you should do acting. And look, the teacher knew. And then he had a, another teacher that gave him some advice saying, hey, you know what? You're not liking the roles you're getting. Boom. Why don't you try somewhere new? Goes to England. So many great stories, but I don't want to spoil them. I want you to hear them because, man, Rico is just... Uh, just a great dude with a, you can like feel how much he loves what he does. And that's why he's doing producing. So, uh, yeah. So before I start the interview, do me a favor. If you're new here, subscribe, like us on all social media, share us with your friends, you know, all that good stuff. All right. Without further ado, here's actor Rico Ross. This is great, man. I'm so happy that we finally connected <laughs> and I am too. It was cool because we were doing that Death Wish 3. I know it was so short notice that mm. it worked out for those other guys. And I was like, oh, I have IMDb Pro. Let me reach out to a few more people. And it was like three days before. So I'm like, you know what? Things pop up. I get it. But it was cool hearing the stories about the filming and talking about working with Bronson. Damn, I wish I could have been there, man. <laughs> I wish I could have been there because I'm sure that was fun. And it would have been fun for me too. It was cool. Well, I could put you in contact with those guys because the thing that was wild was, and I'm sure if you were there, it would have been the same thing. It was like watching people that were friends forever, like talk. Exactly. And then <laughs> at one point I go to Kirk and I go, when was the last time you guys saw each other? And he's like, I don't know. I think after we saw the premiere in New York and I'm like, oh my exactly. God. Well, on their own. It's not like there was a screening exactly. for that. No, but a lot of times it happens with, with projects because you work on a project and sometimes you're working on it for a few days. Other times you're working on it for a few months and you become friends with these guys. Yeah. And it's a real friendship because you're you're with them like, you know, more than they're with their family during that shooting time. And and then all of a sudden you move on to the next job and they move on to the next job. And so when you do see each other again, dude, it's always fun. Yeah, I think so it's like especially if you have some people that you really got. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good, that's a good analogy. I interview. I, I'm helping this actor, Larry Henkin. I don't think you ever worked with him, but he's a character actor. He's been in like 200 things. And he said that, like he'd be on a movie for like three months. And then he'd be like, oh, John Aston. He was like the nicest guy to work with. And then I never saw him again. But he was like, we we're like best friends because we we're the same age and we connected. And so, yeah, no, I love that. Dude, I worked on him. I did uh, Dirty Dozen 2 with Lee Marvin. I watched and, it last night. Of course. Oh, <laughs> and 11 other guys and we we were also we're in england so you don't know a lot of people uh from out from from from, from your own neighborhood because you're in a foreign country a foreign city and so you really do become close to these guys and that's part of the character too you want to become close to the guys so you you lend yourself to that 
And I remember uh, after the shoot was over with, for like the next three years, I, re I received uh, um, Christmas cards from Lee Marvin. Wow. Which, which was amazing. Yeah, it was really nice, man. And it was from his wife. And, and he passed away shortly afterwards. But I still would receive these uh, these Christmas cards. And it was like the sweetest thing. Oh, that's so cool. Well, we'll get to that because that's really cool. I think that whole year of your life, I'm sure, obviously, other things that you did that I was reading about is really, really awesome. But I like to find out how people started. So you grew up outside of Chicago in Pembroke? I grew up outside of Chicago in Pembroke. And, and, and that was like, um, Oprah said it was, it's, it's the poorest city in, in America wow. at one point. <laughs> and so it was, it was kind of a poor place. But my parents got divorced and I moved to Florida. And, and, um, a student, I mean, um, a teacher, kind of saw that I had a lot of energy and uh, needed something to do with it. And she told me I was going to be in her play. And I said, I'm not. And she says, yes, you are. And that's how I got my started. And I, I, I ended up doing a couple more plays after that. And one of them was a real hit. And um, I, I kind of got the bug, man. As a matter of fact, I'm going back there on the 29th to start a, a scholarship in, in my name for other other theater students who maybe uh, lacking funds and, and want to uh, oh, pursue wow. this as a career. What part of Florida? Uh, it was South Florida. It was nice. uh, Fort Lauderdale. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be there on the 29th. Uh, to, to, it's, it's actually there. Uh, it's, I think the school's uh, re school's anniversary. So I cool. kind of combined the two and uh, I, you know, I just thought it was a good opportunity to give back. Heck yeah. And that's so cool that she had to be like, Hey, you should do this now. You should do it. And then it was just, you were hooked. There was something about it. Did you ever do that before then? Like playing like, I don't know, like army or anything as like a younger kid, like doing imagine, imaginative things. I I come from a large family of 11 kids, five boys, uh, five girls and six boys. So I have five brothers and five sisters. So you kind of have, you know, you don't, you don't probably don't have as many friends as you would normally have because you, ha your brothers and sisters become your friends. Yeah. But then they have friends too, and so you end up with a lot of people that you know. And I, I was kind of like, um, I would be kind of like the clown in the room very often, <laughs> you know. So, so, it, and I think the teacher saw that, and she knew that it could either be a thing that could work against me or it could work for me. And she saw that at in high school that, um, and I was in the ninth grade as well. So she thought it, saw that it was working against me at that stage. I had all this energy, probably eating too much sugar, and <laughs> and she. <laughs> she found she found a way to harness it, and I was I was impressed because she was hard, man. She was hard on me, and she I told her, "No, I'm not going to do it." And one of the reasons I didn't want to do it at that time is that I wasn't I was I was afraid to read out loud, and um, I could read, but when I read out loud, I just felt like you know I was really fearful of it. And she yeah. says, "Well, we're we're not going to do any reading. We're going to do this thing called improv, and you'll just improv." And nice. I thought, "Oh, I can do that. I can I can act a fool anytime." So, <laughs> so it kind of worked for me. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Where'd you rank yeah. in the 11? Where were you? I'm in the lower middle. Okay. Like eight. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when you get that many, you know, you get, you, you definitely have to rank it. Yeah. And you got to be a clown. You know, you got to clown around to get noticed. You definitely do have to be, have a bit of a clown in you if you want to get noticed. And, and, and so it worked out in, in the best. And I, I actually read someplace that, that often middle children become, go to get attracted to the arts because they, they, the oldest get their attention when they're when they're first born and then the youngest always going to get their attention but that middle child is always kind of searching so maybe there was a bit of that going on as well hey it worked out so from there ninth yeah. grade you do the play you keep doing more at one point was it that you're like i need to do this on the next level 
Uh, it wasn't until uh, my uh, I finished my second year of college, and then uh, at that point, you know, they're saying, "Listen, what are you going to major in?" And I'm still trying to figure it out. And I went to this counselor, and he says, "Well, what are you good at, and what do you enjoy, and do you think you can make a living out of it?" And I said, "Well, I, I think I'm good at, and I enjoy acting." He goes, "But you know, that's hard to make a living out of." But I I was a gambling man, and I and I and I uh, I gambled on it, and then I studied it for a couple of years. And graduated, but I just thought I am not in a position to, I don't have the confidence to do this. And I then applied to colleges. But I, as, as, as per usual for me at that stage, I was late to the game. So by the time I actually applied, I only applied to one school, which was my first choice. And I was lucky enough to get accepted. And that was UCLA. And I am forever indebted to them. And I will be starting a, a, a similar kind of foundation with them as well. That's awesome. What years were you there? Late 70s, early 80s? No, I was there from, uh, yeah, exactly. I was there uh, from 79 to 81. And it, there were only 12 people that they accepted from around the world. And wow. I was one of those 12. And not only did they accept me, but they also gave me a fellowship, which meant that I could actually afford to do it, and 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 because of that, man, I just I have such a such a debt to them that that both my kids are UCLA graduates, nice. even though they got offers from five other other universities. They, they they went to UCLA and graduated from there. You're like you're going to UCLA, like you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like you know I I was telling them first of all that it is a, a great school, but if you have a choice between a great school and schools that aren't as great. And you have this opportunity to go to a school that that's really hard to get into and that's close to home. You know, you might want to do it. I said, if you want to go study on the East Coast, then I would say do that because I felt like that would be um, there's an education that happens in the class and there's an education outside the class. Yeah, and I thought an East Coast education would be really cool for them. I, I come from the Midwest. I love Midwest people, and I I, I just thought that would be good for them. And um, they just decided to. Uh, to go ahead on and be a UCLA Bruin. Yeah, so I, no. was, I was very pleased. Nothing wrong with very that. Pleased. Wow. So no. 12 people get accepted around the world. Was there anybody else that ended up pursuing acting that like from your classes that you remember? There actually, there were two people in the class that I always felt were, were the best actors in the class. And one of them ended up getting hooked on drugs and passing away. But he was like, uh, he was like, to me, he was like a Pacino or Brando. He was wow. so freaking good. So unfortunately, he passed away. And then the other guy, he was having a very difficult time in Hollywood. I, I started working right out of Hollywood. Uh, I got <clears throat> Young and the Restless while I was still there. Really? I, I ended up getting Hill Street Blues while I, uh, once I got out. And from that point on, you know, I was, I was pretty good. But this guy, I thought, was so talented that I would go on auditions. And I would say, what would he do? And that would give me the confidence to do some crazy stuff that wow. I may not have been able to, may, may not have thought about doing because I just remember that he was, he was fearless. He was always uh, present and, and he, he, he couldn't, he couldn't really, he couldn't get arrested in, in Hollywood. So he went from, from not being an actor into being a writer. And then he became a writer for uh, the Cosby show. Yeah. And then he went on to write for other shows. And so, so he did, he did quite well as a writer. And then eventually he decided he wanted to, uh, to teach. So now he's a professor in Atlanta. Oh, okay. That's cool. Wow. So when you're in that, uh, when you're in at UCLA, are they training you for like auditions or is that something that Hill street blues? Was that like, was that your first one? 
when you're in a drama program, a good drama program, they they train you for all of it, man. They train you for theater. They train you train you for the stage. They train you for the auditions. They train you for uh, life preparedness for the actor. I remember my coach would say, one of the, uh, the the acting coaches would say, if they ask you if you can do anything, the answer is yes. And then by the time you have to do it, you better figure out how to do it. You know, and and it's it's pretty much worked ninety percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, after that, I after I did Hill Street Blues, I couldn't get a job. I, I was in Hill Street Blues for a while, but I I got cast as a, a gang member, and. You know, I come from Chicago, man. I come from South Side, West Side of Chicago. So I knew gang members like the back of my hand, and I just knew that that that's easy for me to do. I can just I can just picture this guy named Blue, and that's my character, you know. And it will work out, and it worked out really well for Hill Street Blues. But after Hill Street Blues, at that time, being a young uh, kind of athletic guy, I couldn't get a job doing anything but playing gang members. Yes. And so I did that for a while, but I felt I felt like I had more to offer with my master's degree. And so I ended up uh, going back to UCLA and asking one of the one of the acting professors, uh, you know, I was saying I'm I'm really I'm really I don't want to sound ungrateful because I'm working and I'm working a lot, but um, playing the same character with a different name and it's frustrating for me as an artist. And he suggested that I go to uh, audition for. Um, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. It's like RADA, but it's Lambda. And I got in, so I went there, and, and basically it's 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 a Shakespearean course. It's a classical theater course. You go there and you learn Shakespeare, you learn all these other, you know, Tartuffe and these different um, great writers. And the moment I got there, uh, uh, they, they suggested that all of the Americans uh, acquire a British accent. And... <laughs> So, so I mean, you know, it, actors are, are, are sponges anyway, and you put them in that environment, and they'll suck it up. So by the time I, the, the program was over with, my English was better than a lot of the Londoners wow. there. No, uh, uh, because you know, when you when you are purposely trying to do it, you you're picking up on everything. And before I knew it, I was instead of saying dance class, I was saying dance class, and it just happens. And and after the program was over with, I just thought I can't go back to Hollywood. It's been too soon. I need to. I want to see if I could pull this off. And so I started going on auditions as an Englishman in England, in London, and auditioning for English roles. And this was before everything was all hooked up with computers. So I, I actually made up a social, uh, an equivalent social security number. And I started working for, for, for the next four years. I worked as an Englishman in, in London, in England. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because I, because that was the only way I could pull it off, and I figured the worst was going to happen is they're gonna, they're gonna send me back, and you know I'm going to do that anyway. So I, I ended up, and that 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 four years ended up, turned out to, into thirteen years, and actually after the four years, I, I got legal and I started working on American projects, i.e., Aliens and um, Mission Impossible, and, and movies that would come over there, and they would come over there with the with the stars and then they would pick up other characters while they were there. Wow. So you were already there. Like when, cause I, I was trying to figure out until I was like reading more things. I was like, Oh, let me look at his IMDb for like the bio. So I looked on the bio right. and then, cause it was funny. Cause everybody from death wish three auditioned for aliens. So I didn't <laughs> know if you were right. Pretty much everybody. Right. Yeah. I, it was, it was crazy because aliens death wish, and Full Metal Jacket 
were all happening around the same yeah. time. And um, I actually got cast in Full Metal Jacket before I got cast in Aliens. What what part? And uh, it was for for Lieutenant Cleveland was the character's name. And Stanley Kubrick had said, you know, this is this is a job, but he, and he wanted me for eight weeks. And and Cameron had said, before you accept anything, will you at least do me the the favor of coming back and talking to me first. And so once, once Kubrick said that he wanted me, I, I went back to, to uh, James as I had promised. And I said, listen, uh, Kubrick's offering me eight weeks. And, you know, at that time, James Cameron had only done, I think he had only done one or two movies and yeah. small movies. And Kubrick, you know, what actor doesn't want to work with Stanley Kubrick? So I told him, I said, you know, Stanley Kubrick's offered me eight weeks and I, I really, um, I want to do it. I says, if you can offer me something like like Hicks or Hudson, then I'd be down. But I says, other than that, you know, I, I kind of want to go with Kubrick. He says, what does Kubrick offer you? I says, well, Kubrick's script isn't written yet. I said, he he actually has just got, had us audition with some scenes. And he says that we're going to go through these workshops. And what we bring out, that's going to be the film. Which, to me, as an actor, improv improvisation, I was just like, oh, I, I can't wait to do that. I says, but he doesn't want to pay anything. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you come to Aliens a week late because it only overlapped one week. And he says, and, and then you can do both. So I went back to Kubrick and I said, listen, uh, <laughs> Cameron once, once says, if you can let me release me after eight weeks, then boom, we're good. I can do both. And Kubrick says, no. He says, I, I don't want to release you after eight weeks. And I said, well, can I at least see the whole script so I can see what I'm going to be doing and make a, you know, make an educated choice and he goes no the script isn't written i says well can you at least pay me my wage he goes nope everybody's on the same thing and he's paying everybody like you know peanuts but i understand it in hindsight because he this film took almost a year to make yeah i mean we had made aliens and we were on to other projects they were still working and it was all we're all in london so we would see them we would hang out because you know there's only a small group of Americans in London. And so we would hang out and we would party together and <laughs> we were happy as, we were happy as hell on aliens, but they were miserable, but dude, over at, at, at full metal jacket, man, they were miserable. And, and it was just, it was, it was like night and day. And I actually saw the movie and I loved the movie after it came out. And I, I would have done anything to do, to be able to do both of them. But I think I, I think, uh, I think I made the right choice, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. Yeah, that's so funny that those three movies are like, obviously, Death Wish wasn't at the same time. But the fact that all of you guys auditioned, because it's funny, Tony did the opposite. Tony Spiridakis, he auditioned right. for both. And they James Cramer wanted an offer him a part. I forget which one. And he was like, I love Cameron, but I got to go Kubrick. And then his scene, he did his scene in it. And, and they cut it out. They cut it out of the <laughs> what movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Kirk told him during the thing that we did, the little reunion, Kirk goes, I read something not too long ago. The reason they cut your scene was the other actor in the scene. Stanley didn't like the way he did it. So that's why he got cut. <laughs> not even anything he did, but, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just, it was, it, that's, that film had so many stories that, that I could tell you about full metal jacket that, that people, the actors were just like, completely fed up with you know one guy uh it, it, this guy i think i think he ended up playing the character that i was going to play and i don't know if it was the same character's name because it was developed in during the workshopping of it but he said that after they had extended his 
his uh, contract the second or third time, he says, listen, I'm willing to do it, but now you got to pay me my rate. Yeah. He says, I agreed to the first time and the second time to do it for this amount, but you got to pay me my rate because I can't do anything else but this now. And he said Kubrick got pissed off at him and said, all right, I'll pay you your rate if we go over. And what he ended up doing was, was uh, just shooting all of his scenes. But in the last scene, they were trying to do this one scene where he gets shot. And I don't know if you remember that poster they used to have about Vietnam with this guy. He's getting his arms are in the air and he's getting shot in the back. And yeah. there's a big Y. They kind of recreated that. And he's in a swamp. And so he has to get dressed and then he gets shot and he falls in the swamp. And he said, Kubrick had me do that over and over and over again. And he, as he said, at some point, I knew he was just getting back at me. Yeah. You know, he was getting back at me. And he said, listen, wh- why are we still doing it? He said, we're going to do it until until, I, until I'm satisfied. Oh and that was that. So, I mean, it, they were having a horrible time. Here. And I was, I was, and we were at Aliens. We were, we actually started working on Aliens a couple of weeks before uh, the shoot. And they, they had a, a, a real drill sergeant come in and get us into shape so that we can learn formation so we can learn the science so we would move and act and behave like a unit on uh during battle and 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 when we're not at battle during 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 uh r&r time and it worked but what that also did was it, it brought us closer together as as a cast you know it brought us very close together as a cast and also we began to know each other well enough to to kind of like uh to, to to really pull each other's change and give each other a hard time because we knew what would get to that person and we knew how how far we could push it and then even in 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 that aspect uh during the breakfast scene a lot of that came out during the breakfast scene because there was a lot of ad-libbing going on during the breakfast scene when everybody gets out of hypersleep and uh and we sit around the table there was a lot of ad-libbing going on and james was cool with it he was like let just keep rolling. We'll we'll use what works, and then when he would find things that work, he would say, "Okay, keep that in, and let's do another take, and you keep that in, or whatever." But I think we were able to pull that off because we had had that extra time together to get to know each other. That's great. You know what's so cool about watching the the movies that made us, which I love those, was just the way it looked, like when it, the way it actually looked, the the alien, and. It's so crazy how great I rewatched it the other night and how great it looks when you watch it. And like to this day, you know, I think we're going back 35 years ago and it still looks phenomenal. That's funny that you would say that because I think about maybe four years ago, because I I saw the the last time I saw the movie was uh, was a screening of it. And I I never uh, watch movies more than once that I'm in and a lot of the movies I don't watch even once if you don't have a screening or if, if it's something that I just feel like I just, because a lot of times by the time the movie comes out, you know, you're on something else yeah. and you kind of miss it. But I remember about four years ago, I'm flipping through channels and it was on and it had just kind of started. And I thought, I'm going to see how this holds up. I was, I was shocked, dude. I was shocked how, how well it held up. Cause I did not think, you know, it, uh, in the eighties, man, that the special effects were 80 special effects. And I just thought it's, it's not going to hold up, but it, it held up so well. And I think James should, should pat himself on the back because he had the sense even back then to know that special effects are going to be temporary, uh, as far as looking great and that these, these, doing it the way he chose to do it with, with the, you know, actually building a set yeah. and using miniatures. Uh, if you can pull that off, 
today, you, it'll be pulled off 20 years from now or 35 years from now. When you're on a movie, because you've been on so many movies, and do you like, can you have this like inkling that it's going to be something? Because you know, I think you were in, you know, believe it or not, Death Wish 3 is like the, out of Bronson's career, he has like the great ones, like the mechanic mm-hmm. and the first Death Wish and like Magnificent Seven and Dirty Dozen. There's so many movies right, that he's right. great in. But Death Wish 3 has this thing. But could you imagine like within like a year, you're filming two movies that are like still to this day, people love. <laughs> Dude, it was almost three movies. Come on. It, it was almost oh, um, yeah. it was almost full metal jacket too, man. It was it is crazy. But um in answer to your question. When I'm working on a set, and I think this may be the answer to a lot of actors too, is that you'll read a script and you know, you've got your idea of what you what you what you what it's gonna be like. And sometimes you think this movie's gonna be this is gonna be it. Yeah. And it just does nothing. And then other other times you'll read a script and you'll go, this is a really horrible script. And it may not be horrible, but it won't be great. And then you'll read a script where you'll go, I don't know. I think this is a great idea. I think it's it's very different. But you, I didn't have the confidence after being wrong so many times to think this is going to be a hit. But I think um, it, it's it's a hit for two reasons. One is that James Cameron did a great job on on the on the on the, this, the movie. But I also think you got to give uh, Alien fans credit because oh, yeah. they have kept this thing alive, man. They, they they won't let it die, and and it's because of them that we're still having this conversation uh, thirty five years later. Yeah, no, and, and not right. only that. When I when I go to these when I go to these uh, uh, these uh, comic cons and and sci fi conventions, and you meet new generations that are hooked on aliens already, and so you see you realize that maybe this thing is never going to die. I know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because they're not gonna let it. They're not gonna let it die. But no. And as to your question, I, I, I'm the worst guest, man. I did this one movie with uh, Vanessa Redgrave's daughter, Jolie Richardson, and we were the leads in the film. And it was a film uh, shot when there weren't a lot of uh, relationships between blacks and whites, romantic relationships. And this was my this was my first romantic lead, and it was her first romantic lead, and. We just thought this film was going to blow up, and we had some really good actors in it. And that 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 was the one that kind of made me realize that you never know yeah. about these films. Just your job is just to go in there and do the best you can, and let the cards fall where they may. Because after the film was shot, we were um, just preparing to go go to uh, to France to Paris uh, for some type of uh, event for the film opening and all that. And as we were trying to organize the tickets for that, there was a shooting in England. There were, there was a massacre and it killed a lot of people. And in our movie, we had a scene. It was a kind of dark comedy where the villain goes and look, is looking after, looking for her and I, and he goes into this club and he can't see because there's so many people. And so he just, Shoots everybody, Ugh. and then he's walking around picking heads up, going, "No, nah, not him, <laughs> not her, no." Nah. And it was a very funny scene yeah. at the time. But after that event happened, it wasn't funny anymore. And so they ended up holding the film and not releasing it for uh, like three months or something like that. And then even when they did release it, uh, the, all the talk on the shows the next day were about that scene and about how inappropriate it was. And so it kind of like it, it killed it for us, man. And after that, I was like, you know. You never know what's going to happen, and and as an actor, you're 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 um you're not in control of anything. 
but your but what you can do. And so I just from that point on, I just I'm just gonna do the best with what I can control and. From that point on, I'll leave it up to to the gods. Yeah, there's editing, there's music, there's trailer, even trailers. Sometimes, like, or just advertising for a movie, like the one that just came out yeah, with I mean, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, uh, the the duel, the last duel that just right. came out. That movie yeah, had like no press; alone. nobody even knew it came out. Yeah, right. And so, so this is the thing that this business is such a team effort that. Uh, it, it, it's even hard for me when I do get singled out for different projects I do, or and I and, and to, to to take them uh, to take those because I realize that it, it's such a team effort. You know, if you look good, it's such a team effort. Yeah, it really is. Uh, there was this one actor that received an award for some movie. I think it was the movie um, uh, escapes my mind now, but I remember he. There's a scene of him uh, at the end of the movie, kind of overlooking overlooking a, a mountain he's on a cliff and he's overlooking the mountain and they showed this scene in particular when he was receiving the award this is part of the clip and he stated that he, he says i i couldn't receive this award without mentioning the editor the uh, cameraman and the sound man he says because if you look at that scene that they just showed you he says i'm just staring out in, into the into the <laughs> abyss yeah but he says there the cameraman is creeping in <laughs> And the music is swelling, and they've edited it in such a way that all of a sudden, you know, it gives you chills. But he says, if you look at what I'm doing and you turn the sound off, it's basically me just looking, uh, you know, giving yeah. that thousand mile, that million mile look, and every, everybody else is doing everything else. And and I was like, you got it right, you got it right, because that's what that's what filming when you work on a film, that's it, what it's about. You may be on a film, and there may be a, an intimate scene with with you and I, but there may be. 150 people in the crew and around that 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 help make that happen and even though it may seem very intimate it's it's everybody's everybody that's there they're there for a reason yeah if, if they weren't there believe me they wouldn't be there <laughs> because nobody wants to pay somebody for nothing so they're there for a reason and and that's why these projects are really good alien had a, a, a really amazing crew as well and i think that's part of its success I also think part of his success was that we had I don't know if you heard that there was there was there were issues with James Cameron and the English way of doing things because the English they they have their their tea breaks that they take and it's, it's mandatory and you have to do it. And we'd be in a scene man and we'd be like cooking and then James would be ready to do another take and they would be like oh, sorry uh tea time. That's crazy. <laughs> he would just he would be mad. It's crazy. Yeah, he'd be really mad. And um, there was also a problem where I think um, people people were working lo- long hours, and and they were working such long hours that that it was coming into triple time. And I think uh, at the time they didn't have a budget for that; they were just saying, "Listen, we'll pay you for the hours, but we can't pay you these triple time fees." And Sigourney ended up hearing about this, and a couple of people got fired because they didn't like it, and she spoke up for them. Wow. And I think her doing that actually made the crew uh, work that much harder because they they knew that there was somebody that had their back too. And so I think uh, I think it was that crew worked their butt off uh, on that film probably harder than they would have on other films because they knew that the, the, the star put her neck out on the line for them. Yeah, and it was a it was a great lesson for a young actor to see that happen because I always thought if I was ever in that position, 
I want to be that person too, you know, that was going to speak up for the crew because, you know, you can't do it without the crew. You can't make a movie no. with just stars. You, you better have a good crew there. So, <laughs> yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we were talking about you getting in England. And so the first movie was that The Dirty Dozen? The next mission, was that the first movie you did over there? No, um... No, it wasn't. I I worked a lot over there. A lot of I did a, a lot of uh, English television as well, and sometimes I'd be English, sometimes I'd be American. <laughs> That's great. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't the first. Uh, I I, don't, I I haven't looked at my now. The only other <laughs> thing my, before uh, that is scarred. I, so it's probably maybe things that were under. Did you go under Rico? Right, right. Was Rico your English name too? It's, a, it's always Rico. Yeah, okay. it was always it was always the same name. So yeah, so it it was definitely one of the one of the one of the uh, first big ones. Yeah. that I I got to play uh, one of the leads. But yeah, good people I, in I that movie too. If you look at like Aliens, the cast, great people. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Dirty Dozen, the next mission, obviously leave Marvin, but Gavin right. is in it. You're uh, the gang Gavin. leader. Uh, pretty soon, that's after. right. Sonny Landham who predator like a year or two later and ken wall yep. who he kind of like had his own tv yeah, series dude i love that yeah. show too i love yeah ken wall and, and and i really became very close during the film in the in in the film we were we were supposed to be buddies and i think because we were supposed to be buddies in the film we made an uh, extra effort of being buddies outside the film and so we we're going out a lot cool. in london and Ken, I, i'll tell you something about that dude man that dude is a good looking dude man back then he was so fucking good looking <laughs> And we would go out, and girls would just like flock to him, man. And I remember we were at this one club, and and girls were all over him, and 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 they were going. So what do you do? What do you do? He goes, I'm a driver. And he goes, what? Well, are you really? He goes, yeah, I'm I'm his driver. And he was telling them that he was my driver, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he wouldn't leave it. He wouldn't leave it, man. He was he was like really. And I was uh I was impressed, and I was saying, man, it must be hard for you, dude. <laughs> girls were just like. They are all over him. He goes, no, man. He says, I, he says, I, I got a, I got a nice lady, and you know, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't want to uh, mess that up. Oh. I don't mess around. So it was, it was, it was cool. But Ken and I, we had a great time in London. That's awesome. We had a great time. <laughs> so then, right from there, and then while you're over there, is the Whitney Houston video filmed in England? Yeah, it was filmed in London. Actually, oh wow, it was filmed in London, and and I ended up getting the job. It was kind of a a backhand compliment because the director says, uh, he says that we had, we had had cast it already, but we wanted to recast it because we wanted to get um, a guy that could really act the part. And he says, the other guy was just too good looking. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but we ended up doing the, doing the, uh, the video and it was like, um, you know, they hadn't had a lot of videos that were really uh, storytelling videos like that. So, and, and this this director, he really wanted it to be a story. He wanted it to be a, a great story. So he had written it as such, and and we played around with it, and we he, he allowed improv and and Whitney. Uh, I remember there's this one scene where she has to sing the song in, in in the studio, and I'm behind the glass, and she's singing it, but she's lip singing it, and 
and it's just not working. It's just not working. And she's giving it all and it's just not working. And then the director says, can you, can you actually sing it? Cause we want to see the, 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 the veins in your voice and all that stuff happening. And dude, when she sang it, I thought to myself, this is, this is her first number one hit by the way, too. Wow. Saving all my love for you. When she started singing it, it, it's like magical. And I thought this girl's going to be a star. I mean, she was a young, young girl at the time. Oh, very yeah. young. Uh, and, uh, and we got along great, actually, exchanged numbers and wanted to keep in contact but she was living in new york and i was living in, in london but she, once she started singing i thought this girl's special yeah she's special and and, and it, it turned out to be that be the case because that was her very first number one hit but many more followed. totally i went to school with her nephew like my wife oh really was, yeah we grew up in in south plainfield new jersey and like uh and she ended up living here That's afterwards right. That's so right. she was like exactly. not too far from there but yeah, her nephew was like a year older than me. My wife used to go to like birthday parties at her house, her like big house that her <laughs> and Bobby lived in. But uh, no, nah, she's right. so cool. And I was wondering how that – sometimes it's so cool when you look at people's IMDb's and you see all these different things, and it's so neat. Mm-hmm. And then the one I wanted to ask you about, obviously I love aliens, but so Death Wish 3, you and Gavin connect again. Mm-hmm. So were you – what was it like with him? Because I know he's from – He's Irish, right? He's he's an Irish guy, right? Right. But this is the thing about when you live in. For, for me, when I lived in London, I really loved the Irish that were in London because they were they were always so down to earth, dude, and their sense of humor is off the chart. <laughs> so I just, I just love kicking it with them. And so with, with with him, it was like it was easy. It was very easy for us to be to be like you know just ragging on each other and, and having fun. <laughs> And I miss those dudes, man. That's why I said I would love to have been on that on that call. Oh yeah, I, no, it'd be cool to. No, I can definitely give yeah. give you their emails. That'd be cool to connect you guys. But yeah, so Death Wish Three, the role of the uh-huh. Cuban. <laughs> yes, that was an interesting film uh, because I remember um, when I got the script, there wasn't a lot of lines in it for me, but there was, you know, all this action. And I remember um, one of my acting coaches at UCLA saying, saying that um, if you ever get a, a, a part where there, there aren't many lines, but you get the screen time, he says, that's a dream job because that's easy for you, man. He says, it leaves a lot to the imagination and you just do your thing. He also says, if you ever get a job where you get a chance to dance, that's another thing. That's a dream job because it shows, it shows the character in a it, it gives another layer to the character. So I remember when I read the script and it was just a lot of action. I just thought, okay, this is what, what he's talking about. And let's, let's, let's do it. You know? And it was a great job. We did, did have some, some issues because they probably told you about it when we were in LA or in New York shooting it. When you shoot in these different areas where you want them to look authentic, chances are there are real gangs. There. Mm-hmm. And, and these gangs, they like they like to be, you know, uh, at least asked if it's cool. <laughs> and we didn't we didn't ask. And we just started shooting, and we got some real gang. And some some I think I think there, there there's a story about one guy who who became an actor, uh, not on our film, but on another film where they they were looking for gang members, and he and he looked the part and was the part at the time, and then became a real actor and wow. became a, quite a successful actor. But I remember when we were shooting it, there were real gang members that were there, and and they were looking at us, and and they wanted to be in the film, and we already had the cast, and next thing you know, they weren't happy. And the last thing I remember is us getting on a bus 
driving away and them throwing rocks and bottles at us. <laughs> it was it was fucking crazy. <laughs> it was crazy, dude. <laughs> Alex was saying one of the places that you guys were shooting, like the night before, like a head was found in a building or something, and like everybody yeah, was you, like you're working panicking. In- it's real dude it's real stuff man it's real stuff happening so it it was it was crazy and i don't know if they told you also that we had a scene we shot death wish in new york but we also shot a lot of it in london and in london they had this building that they had to set on fire and you only get one building yeah so they 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 set it on fire and the the first time they set it on fire they got it but it was pretty cool, and then the second time they set it on fire, and it was a stunt man doing these, doing, the, doing jumping off of the building. And the second time they did it, it was even better. And then they said, "Let's do it again," and this time just really burn this baby up. And they burnt it up, and it was so much fire that uh, the guy, the, the stunt man's name was Rocky. I remember that. And Rocky uh, said that when he got up to the top, it was so much smoke and fire that he couldn't see the boxes, the landing place. And he tried to go back downstairs, and when he got downstairs, there was so much fire that he couldn't go all the way down. So he went back up, and now it's even more difficult to see the, the landing spot. So he had to just guess where it was, and he ended up breaking his back uh, in the <sighs> process of it, which is a horrible thing for a stuntman because you, you know you you can't be with an injury like that. And that's your career, you know. Yeah, that's just your career. So uh, I remember that that issue happening. But yeah, the working on these films, man, as, as a kid, it's it's like it's like I don't know, like playing uh, playing army or something like yeah. that. Some of these films are so much fun to be on, and you actually get to do this and and, and be these heroes. It's the weirdest thing because I, I I've done so many army, played so many army characters and and cops, and I'm neither. Yeah, and I'll be at these sci-fi conventions, and guys will tell me that. Yeah, man, I saw aliens and decided I wanted to be a Marine. And I'm like, oh, shit, you're the real deal. <laughs> you're real, man. <laughs> you're real, man. <laughs> no, I think it's – and one thing that was funny, I, I put on the – I did the, the face paint when we did the reunion, and all of them just oh, started nice. laughing. Kirk was just, like, dying laughing. He was like, how silly is that? Like, that we had to, like, wear that. But I wanted to ask you about your – because so those other three guys actually had to do their – stunts like alex when he got shot he jumped out the window rolled down tony and then kirk had the 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 blood packets and the charges on him but yours obviously that was not you (laughs) like that dummy that it wasn't me it wasn't me and but what they what they would what they did was i would be on the top of the building and where he's going to toss me over the building yeah they had a um they had a rope tied to my foot and I'm, I just go and I act like I'm going to do it. And I stop right, right there, you know. But even that was kind of scary oh, for yeah. somebody because I'm not a stuntman. I, I, do a, I would do a lot of stunts because I, when I was at Lambda, one of the things that they did was that they, they really wanted you to be good at stage fighting and unarmed defense and all that stuff. And, and I became really good at it. I, I kind of wanted to be one of those actors that could do their own stunts. And it, it helps a lot, too, because there's been things where I have um, – well, I've done the stunt where it would have been really difficult to have the stuntman do it, or they didn't have a stuntman that looked like me. And back then, also, they would have uh, they would have white white guys that were the stuntman, and they would do everybody's stunts, yeah. you know. And so then they would have to make them look like me, and would be so. I I actually wanted to do 
want to be able to do a lot of my my stunts. But I remember that was the one stunt that was a little scary because I, I'm not afraid of height, but running towards a, a, the edge of a building and having to stop. And then I, I think they had a little pad for me to just land on the other side, but the other person they had to had to fall. And and even that, well, I just found it you know a bit frightening because uh, you know things can go wrong. Yeah, which actually did happen in that film. Uh, what was it like? I think it's so cool. One year, I don't know if you grew up as like a fan of the Dirty Dozen, but within one year, you're working with Lee Marvin and Charles Bronson. Dude, working with Lee Marvin was 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 really a blessing in in a lot of ways because I remember this one scene where I had to, I, I'm a sniper. And I had a shot at, at Hitler, but my job, our mission was not to shoot Hitler, was to shoot this other guy who was the brain behind it, his kind of right-hand man. And I had this shot, this scene where Lee and I get into this argument because I got Hitler in, in, in my sight and he's in, in the crossbars and Lee's character is telling me, no, do the mission, don't shoot him. And we get into this argument where I actually start like swelling up with tears, thinking that I could change the world. I could change the world right now. And I remember after we did the first take, Lee pulled me over to the side and he says, listen, you're doing a great job. But he says, you you have to save it. He says, I says, what do you mean? He says, this is a long shot. We're going to do this three or four times. <sighs> then we're going to they're going to bring the cameras in to a, for a middle sh- mid shot. And we're going to do that three or four times. And then by the time they get to your close-up, whatever you're using now, which is working like a, it's working really well, you're gonna have spent it. So he says, just you know, just go through the motions right now, and then you know whatever you're using, save that for the close-ups. And so it was a good lesson for me, and, and it kind of brought us brought us close because when you're when you're an actor on set, a lot of actors don't like taking advice from other actors. You'll take whatever comment the um, the director says, but you don't like another artist giving you his opinion because yeah. everybody's got an opinion. But when you're working with a legend, you know, that, that's a whole different ball game. And he just schooled me in that, that first scene so, so well that from that point on, man, he was like, he was like, 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 a, like that dad, man, that old granddad that's going to just going to tell you the truth, tell you the way shit really is. And, and, and we became close because of that. And then his daughter came over to, uh, for the shoot as well. And her and I hung out, and he used to give me a hard time about that, telling me not to be hanging out with his daughter. And, and so we became really close. And I think that's why, you know, even years after after the movie was over with, I was still getting Christmas cards from him. Wow. Look at that night. That's like a master class before master classes, you know? That's so cool. It, it was, exactly. And there was, an, there was another scene that there was an issue in that movie was, because uh, it was one of those movies where I just started doing American parts. I had been doing, before then, I had been doing English parts only. And there was a scene where Lee, Lee Marvin comes to the jail, the prison cell, and he recruits me. Oh, yeah. And, and he asks me, he asks me, he says, uh, where'd you learn to shoot like that? And... My answer was uh, at home. But when we were shooting this film, we kept on we kept on shooting it, and the director was not happy with it, and he couldn't figure out what was going wrong. And eventually, we figured it out because I'm supposed to be this 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 dude from the hood and hard and all that. But instead of saying home, I was saying home <laughs> from home. <laughs> it, it was that English thing that was just kicking in. 
when I even wanted to kick in. And so once we realized that, I got back. I, I managed to fix that up, and, and it was it, the scene was fine. But it, it was a uh, it was it was one of the things that held us up for a minute. <laughs> That's amazing. How about like Charles? Just like uh, just one last question about like Charles Bronson. What was he like to work with? Charles Bronson uh, during that time was he was very heavy uh mentally there, there was a big weight on his yeah, his on, wife on his, yeah. on his mind yeah his wife and and so i kind of recognized that and i didn't know all the stuff about his wife what was going on but i just you know we had some scenes and i remember uh i was in his his trailer for some reason we were talking and just hanging out and and i asked him about his wife cuz i'd heard something and he just got really quiet and I knew that it was it was serious, yeah. something that he didn't want to really talk about. But that was <clears throat> that was the only time that I remember um, that he 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 um, that he really just like uh, kind of gotten quiet and kind of showed that 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 was that was the issue yeah. at that time. He was he was out here making a movie and doing what he what he does, but at the same time he was really concerned about it, about his wife. Yeah, it's got to be hard as an actor, you know, especially when you're that. Like the number the the movie, you know. So when it all revolves around you, there's a big responsibility for not just you, but like everybody's job is on the line. If you if you walk away right now, all of these people that that they don't have they're out of they're out of work. Yeah, you know, they're out of work. Uh, there's there's a TV series that just finished called Insecure here in LA, and I never watched these these. Uh, after these post shows about a show, um, but but my wife was watching it, and I and so I watched it, and I, and she was saying um, that it was very hard decision for her to not do another season because she realized that all those people they're going to be out of work now because of her, and and some of those people, you know, had had gotten really good at what they do. Some of them had gotten so good that halfway through the um, the shooting of of the series that they had left because they had better office, but she said she was really happy for them. But she knew that new people were coming in and they were learning the craft and they were getting their feet wet. And when she decided not to do another season of it, all those opportunities, uh, they, they come to a halt. And I think um, Bronson understood that too. And and maybe that's the reason why he went through and, and made that movie because you know it's something that he had he he probably done the contract for and he he knows he knows by that time as many movies as, as he's done that when he decides not to work everybody else stops working too no it's great that she recognized that i know conan did that like when he just ended conan o'brien when he just ended his show and even mm-hmm. like when uh tom cruise had that like blow up film in mission possible i think that's what it was about he was like hey man if we're not working like when he was yelling at all the people on set he was saying it more for, I know he sounded like a crazy guy, but I think he was like, hey, man, because if, if we're not doing anything, no one's getting paid. And that's how people get paid. So that's good when people recognize that, you know? Exactly. I, I was working on, on um, Mission Impossible and we were shooting it in, in Prague. And <clears throat> I was working on another movie. Um, I was trying to think of the other name of the other movie but anyway i was working on another movie in london and so when they offered me this job in uh, mission impossible i says i'm i got this other movie and i still got some i'm obligated to do these days they said well don't worry about it we'll we'll fly you back for that and then we'll fly you back out here to finish this scene i was like cool <laughs> so i ended up going to Prague twice to shoot this little this little movie <laughs> a mission impossible yeah. <laughs> and, so, 
and and I remember we were we were shooting a, a scene with me, Christian Scott Thomas, and Tom. And there was an incident where there and we're standing there talking and a light from above fell down about maybe two feet from Tom Cruise and it shattered. And this was a big freaking light. It shattered. If it had hit him, it would have been curtains. Wow. And I remember when it happened, it sounded like an explosion. So, pow! And we all jumped. And uh, it was closest to Tom, too. <laughs> and I remember, he's, I remember he said, he says, I guess I'm just a lucky guy. But he, dude, I, I, I mean, some heads must have rolled because of that, that incident. But uh, that was one of the things that I remember that was really uh, interesting for us working on. Another incident happened in that, in that uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Another incident thing that happened, and the interesting thing that happened in that shoot was there was a scene where Christian Scott Thomas and I were both waiting. And we've been waiting for a while. And then we asked the uh, people what, what was the holdup. And the holdup was apparently, <clears throat> this is what I heard, was that the director didn't want to come out until the whole cast was there. And Tom didn't want to come out until the whole crew was there, meaning the director, the director as well. And so both of them were kind of like waiting for the other guy to come out. <laughs> and we were just waiting, man. And we were just waiting. I'm just thinking, oh, this who's going to win this yeah but uh of course the the director uh brian de palmer ended up winning because tom was also not only being the star of the the film but he was also a producer of the film and he knew that every second he waited you're paying all these people for nothing so he eventually came out and and we and we shot the scene oh my god so rico at that time so you're doing all these you're doing the english roles like doctor who sherlock holmes a regular right. series in, I think it was called West West Beach or Westreach. Yeah, West Beach, yeah. West Beach. We, yeah, that was that was something that I thought. See, there you go. That was one of the, the things that I thought was going to be a big hit. Oh yeah, I thought that was going to be a big hit, and and it came out. And what happened was it was very well received, but it was a a German and English collaboration, BBC and and some German company. But when it came out and it was well received. I think that this is what I heard is that the German company uh, had brought it to the English company and they wanted to own the whole thing. So they wanted to buy the English company out and the English company says, no, no, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll stick with the contract. And my understanding was the German contract. The German said, well, if you're not, we can't buy you out. We're not, we're just not going to make a second season. And so it died after one yeah. season. And that was something that I thought, you know, was re- it, I, I had one of the lead roles in it, and I just thought this is going to change my life. And it went one season, and then curtains. Isn't it the worst when so. shows end because of that? Not because of actually like the work in front of the camera or behind the camera. It's like something with some suits upstairs, like just not getting along. It really is, man. And that's what I mean by, by when you're an actor, and and it's also one of the reasons why I'm focusing more. Uh, on producing now than than just acting is because you 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 know you really can the only thing you can control is yourself yeah. and, and what you're doing on the film but you're you're so you you're so dependent upon all these other things working out 
for it to for it to be a success. And and it's a very it's a very it can make it can make actors pretty damn insecure. No, know, definitely. About, if you about, do like ten takes and you're like, oh, that number seven was the best, and then you see the movie and you're like, wait, they took they used four. And it wasn't exactly, one that was good, exactly. or the guy wasn't looking the right way, or something. Or your character, no. Dude, we were working on Mission Impossible, and there was this one scene where Christian Scott and I had to walk to an elevator, and she had to push the button, elevator button. And Brian De Palmer had us do this over and over and over till it got funny. And she says, "Well, look, what 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 do you want me to do differently?" And he says, "Just do it until I think it's okay." You know, and I, I think it was his. I think he was flexing a little bit on yeah. it too. But um, but you know, the dude's a great, a great. No, I know. He, he knew what he was was after. We didn't know what he was after, but she, but he knew what he was after, and he and uh, and he wasn't going to stop shooting until he got it. So it was all good. But uh, yeah, you 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 really don't have a lot of control over a, a lot. So as an actor, you just go in there and do your thing. Yeah. What was some of the so so in that bio? You did some modeling in Italy. <laughs> what kind of modeling were you doing over there, dude? When I when I graduated from Lambda, I and I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I just thought I'm gonna just hang out here over the summer and then go back in the fall. And and I was hanging out, and I needed to work, and and you know acting jobs aren't regular, so I, so there was a there was a modeling job where they were looking for tall guys, <laughs> and it was uh from this this lady in Paris. She's a choreographer in Paris. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll audition for this. I auditioned and I got the job and we, we shot the job. I mean, we did the job, the show and she liked me and she said, you know, I'd like to use you for all my shows. And I was like, what does that entail? She says, well, it's, it's only uh, three times a year. We, we have three seasons for, for, for men and we have four seasons for girls. And we travel uh, Paris, Milan, Munich and uh, London. And we end up in either New York or, or Las Vegas. And I was like, sign me up. Yeah. You know? So here I am, a young guy, and I'm flying all over the world, man, and I'm working with the most beautiful women in the world, and they're paying me yeah. for it. And I I always felt like like I was a, a counterfeit though, because I thought, I'm an actor and I'm acting like a model right now. And, and, and dude, let me tell you, I did that. I did that for four years. Wow. For four years, I did that because it was only like a couple of weeks each time, three times a year. And the only reason I stopped doing it was because the one thing that she said, she says, I, when I when I book you, I need you for all for the whole show. So if you if you agree to do a show that year, you have to do that show. And what she would do is after the show, she would book you for next year's show. Ah. And it sometimes it gotten. It, it conflicted with acting possible uh, uh, acting jobs, potential acting jobs, but on that final year, it ended up conflicting with Batman, the one with Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was the first one or the second. No, one, that's the, the first one. one. Jack yeah, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson yeah, the first one. And 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 I and they had cast me in a role playing opposite Jack Nicholson as one of the reporters in there. It wasn't a big part, but just to be able to work with Jack. With Nicholson, I just thought I want to do this, yeah. so I, I I ended up doing it, and I ended up booking the job, and then they moved the date, and I, fortunately enough, it didn't conflict with anything, and then they moved the date a second time, and it conflicted with this act with this modeling uh, job, and so I ended up turning it down, passing on it, and doing the modeling gig, 
but after that show, I told her I couldn't do it. Anymore yeah. Because I, I, could, I can't book myself a, a year in advance. I don't know what the hell I'm going to be doing yeah. a year from now anymore. So, <laughs> so I had to back out of it. But it was, dude, it was, it was like a dream job before then. I mean, Naomi Campbell was, was, was modeling and all these people. And we were hitting Milan and it was hitting Munich and we were doing Paris. It was, it was a crazy wow. time to be a, a, a young guy from, from, you know, Midwest Chicago. Yeah, that's what's really cool. Was, like, you grew up in, like you said, Oprah said it was the poorest town in America, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now I'm, I'm all over the world with, you know, doing this. And it's just, it was, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. And I remember myself thinking often that, uh, you know, that saying would ring in my ear uh, uh, repeatedly. If my friends could see me now, yeah, right. Because it was, it was, it was a, a precious time. So, like after that, like you had a bunch of guests. How did you know about the modeling thing? It though? was in your, I think it was in your bio that you wrote. Oh, okay, okay. Do you like your your greatest? I think you said your greatest accomplishment was your kids, and I love that being a dad. Oh, too, thank man. you, thank you. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. Yeah, you get it. So you had like obviously a bunch of roles, guest starring in like a bunch of big TV shows. But I thought what was really cool was. And I think you kind of mentioned it, like doing the producing. And I think what's so cool, like I love film, like I love actual like film, like seventies, eighties, nineties. And I oh, me too. Like I love the only thing I do like about digital is now you can shoot digital and it can look. You can almost make it look like it's a big blockbuster movie. Back in the day, you watch a movie that had a hundred thousand dollar budget. It looks like it had a hundred, you know, a no budget. So right. I thought it was pretty cool. Like even just the, I didn't watch it, but the, the Riddler, you had to play the Riddler in a short that actually you filmed that. Well, strangely enough, Lance Hendricks and I were talking at one of these sci-fi conventions and he was really excited about this little indie film. Yeah. And I, I was turning down indie films all over the place because I just thought I, I want to focus on these big, big, blockbuster yeah. films and that's what i want to focus on and he was saying rico this is what he's, he says what i'm finding is that that uh you can find young guys that have no money but they have great ideas and they have great energy and he says and so i'm working on this film right now and he says and i'm, I'm loving this film he says and i get to play this character that i'm just crazy about and he says no they don't have any money so they can't pay my wage my, my fee but they can pay me something and they can pay my expenses and I get an opportunity to give back to these young, young film filmmakers and put them at a level where they should be because they're, they're so creative. And he kind of swayed me into thinking that, and I ended up doing a, a number of small films, but I remember one of them was a film that we started off uh, doing a little film, uh, a little bit of it here in LA. And right after that, they took that footage and they took it to Cannes in France, and it was all on on all of the headlines. It was saying this is the first film that actually delves into why the the, the Middle East don't like America, the West, and the West don't like like the Middle East. And instead of just saying I hate you or you're evil, all that, yeah. this they said this film actually talks about it. It goes into depth about it, and um, and so we ended up shooting that that little bit of film. And from that, they ended up taking the can and they got money to make a feature of it. And then I ended up going over to Africa where we shot the rest of it in, in Morocco, in Casablanca. And uh, we got Mickey Rook as well, cool. cast and, and some other big names. Um, and 
and I remember thinking, you know, these these little films can turn out to big things too. And and if you if you lend your talent and your and and, and your experience to it, it, it heightens heightens the whole project. And so I did that. And then the other film that I was the one you mentioned, it was an, again a young filmmaker and his girlfriend was a producer, but they had great ideas. And I liked that that kind of uh, the idea was they wanted to do films that were going to give women lead roles yeah the film's going to be uh centered around these, these female characters and at that time too there were a lot of projects in london where female actresses uh stars were having a hard time getting getting uh finding scripts that will work for them they were actually taking male written scripts and changing the character changing the sex of the character because these these films were, were um more of what they were looking yeah. for yeah so th- i like this guy's idea of actually trying to promote that and so I wanted to be a part of it. But he also said, you know, I would love for you to play Bruce Wayne at first. That was the character he wanted me to play at first. And the producers, he had some producers in Canada. This says, no, we can't do that. He said, everybody knows how Bruce Wayne looks and all that. It's yeah. just not going to work. And so because this, this, this young filmmaker, he, he, he liked the idea of just really changing people's concept of characters and just mixing it up and just really doing something artistic with the casting as well as the, the film itself. And so he says, well, if you can't play that role, can, I, can, can he play? Would you guys be cool with him playing the Joker? And they said, yeah, that's fine. So, so they were cool with that. And so he was able to, to cast me to play the Joker. And so I, I just thought that if I'm going to play this role, I want to really um, do something different with it, too. I look different. I'm going to look different. So I, I dyed my hair red. Uh, I had a I had a, a little question, upside down question mark as, as a teardrop yeah, yeah. tattooed on my eye for the role. And I, I brought in this designer that I knew and had her um, design the outfit. and. I ended up shooting that and uh, went to, to film festivals and I ended up winning Best Actor in it. And I just thought, you see, you, you th- I thought I was giving back to him, but it actually turns out that, you know, it was working well for me as well. And, and since then, I, I do a lot of uh, indie, indie movies. I actually have uh, just gotten back from Costa Rica on, a, on an indie movie nice. that I think is going to be a really good movie too when it comes out. That's awesome. I interviewed Kathleen Kinmont, who's in Phoenix. And I just saw like a new poster mm-hmm. just came out. She was so excited about it. And it seems like it's so cool when you talk with people. Some people do a movie like when pe- you see people on the talk shows, they do their press junket, something they have to do. But man, she was so excited. And again, another one, a, a female driven story, which is like, what should be like, why not? It, it makes no sense, right? Not only that, I, I thought I thought it was not just a female driven story, but it's a female driven story where these women get to be action. Yeah. You know, where they actually do, 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 they handle it, man. And, um, so it was, it it kind of, it kind of, the script reminded me of, of, um, Jason Bourne, of somebody who, who has this ability and they don't know why. And, and, and they've lost their, their memory, you know, they've got amnesia. And uh, except it's a female. And of course, once you change the sex, a lot of other things change, changes as well. So the script is very different from, from Bourne because of that. And the things that happen to her are very different because she's, she's female instead of male. And her female co-stars, you know, they have to bring it as well. Yeah. And it, it was it was very cool film to work on. My, my character was was 
was very different. I'm, I'm, I'm FBI, you know, kind of like, you know, head of, head of, head of FBI. And so my character is very straight laced, but these women, they were handling it. And, and, and uh, I can't wait to see it come out as well, because I think it's going to, I think it's going to change, turn some heads that project. And there's another project that's called do something. And we shot this during the uh, pandemic and it's one it, dude, it's won so many awards and, 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 it, it, and, and rightfully so, because it's a really good project, but it's basically about this girl who, 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 a female lead as well. And it deals with her mother and her grandmother. And so it deals with these three generations and they were all kind of like, you know, they were like, they were fighters, you know, they were all fighters and you see this in the, in the script. And, uh, I think that film's going to, it's called do something. And, and the, uh, I think that film's going to change some heads too. That's great. And like, I think I, I just thought about this, but it's so great. Like the, the eighties and nineties, like I was talking about like the filming, like the no budget, get it out. But there was like the, the straight to video market, which was like Canon and like Roger Corman movies. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, what's great about exactly. nowadays because there's so many ways to get things out. Like obviously you have the big streaming services, but there's like the little ones that are out there too, that you could put your content out and all you have to do is get it seen. And then that's what those directors are able to, because that's what it is. You're a director like Cameron aliens did great. And then look, look how it changed for him. And I think that's what it is about these people nowadays. Cause there's a lot of people that are shooting. I think the guy who just shot Dr. Strange too. Like his first movie was like, I don't even, I don't even want to guess what it is, but it was like something like, not like a kid's movie, but it was like something like, wow, but he went with it and people loved it. I think that's, uh, I think that's what nowadays, like that new wave could happen with the streaming platforms. I, I think so too. And I, and I think if people do have uh, a desire to be a filmmaker, now is the best oh, time yeah. ever. Uh, one one because it's so cheap now. Yeah. You know, before you had to have deep pockets to make a movie. Now you can make a, a movie with your iPhone. Yeah. You know, and they, they actually give classes where you you know that you, you can buy little lenses and whatnot, and you can actually make a movie with your iPhone. So there's no excuse about it if you've got a great idea and you want to do it. Also, as you said, there are so many different platforms now. If you do a good movie, it will find a platform. You know, it will find one. One will find it. But you got to do a good movie, and uh, and that's another reason why I think veteran actors should lend their their talent to these these young filmmakers because if they if they come with the idea and they come with the energy, and then you lend your talent, that's when that's when magic happens. Yeah. Well, I one role I had to ask you about was uh, a husband for Christmas. I interviewed Eric Roberts. I think he's like the coolest guy. He does a lot of that too. He does like these little movies. He loves. And the reason his thing, it wasn't like he talked to Lance Hendrickson and he was like, Hey, you should do this. He used to say no to a lot of them. And I think after he met his wife, like the late nineties, he said like, yes to like this movie in India. And then he was like, wow, I can travel the world. So he was really doing it for like the traveling aspect because I get to do what I love and I get to shoot all around the world to do it. Then also Vivica Fox, like the best. <laughs> well, interesting. Um, I had the same conversation with Eric about doing these small. Really? Films, and he told me, he's, yeah, he said, he, I told him about what Lance had said. And he said, he said, he, he felt the same way. He felt like if you, if you, if you bring your, your, your skill set to these young, young um, filmmakers, it's going to elevate everything for them. 
And he says, and, he, and that was his way of giving back. He also told me at the time that he only wanted to do it for a couple more years. And he wanted to help as many filmmakers as he could during that, that time to, you know, kind of like get, get, get in the business. And so he had, I, I'm sure that time has changed because he's still doing them yeah. now. He was actually even in the film that I did in Morocco. He really? was in that film too as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, he and I have done probably four different uh, movies together. He was, uh, four different movies together, um, since, since then. But, um, yeah, he does a lot of them and, and, and he does them for the right reason too. You know, he, he charges a certain fee, which is not his, his regular fee. Uh, but he does, he, he, he will get the perks of them flying in and, 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 you know, and a nice, uh, nice uh, uh, first class and, and taking care of him that way. But he gets to travel all over and he gets, and they, and they get uh, an actor that really is good. Cause Eric, you can say what you want to say about Eric, but Eric always delivers. Oh yeah. He does a, he does so many of these small films, but one of the things you will find consistent is that he always delivers. He brings it. I actually, I talked to a guy that Eric was in the movie and they like, and I think that's what I'm sure the people that, that you, that work with you, they use you in the smartest way. Like you're not going to have you in the entire movie. I, there was this movie that this guy shot in Philly, not too far from me. And he reached out to me as he interviewed a people, a couple people, including Eric that were on it. And he wanted me to watch it. Like he sent me the screener for it. And I thought it was so cool the way they used Eric in the movie. And he told me how great he was. And I think that's so cool that you mentioned like the giving back and he was like, Eric was such a delight, took time to talk to people. And I'm like, that's like what you want. Cause that, you know what that does? It fuels the next generation of filmmakers and cast and crew. And Eric, Eric is the perfect guy for that too, because he, he is a talker and, <laughs> and he's got, and he's got, he's got something to talk about. Yes. I mean, Eric's been in this business a long time. He's got stories that that you would die to have on your podcast if he would tell them, but I'm sure he wouldn't tell them because he wouldn't want to out. People. Yeah. But, um, but he's got some stories and he's told me some stories that are just unbelievable stories, man. <laughs> but also I, I, I say, um, you have to give a lot of credit to his wife. Oh, his wife is such a lovely, she's the best. Sub, such a lovely lady. And, and she handles all of it, man. She takes care of it for him. He shows up and does the work, but she organizes everything with, with the uh, filmmakers and makes sure that everything works out smoothly. And, and she's a beautiful, oh. lovely, lovely. Hollywood lady. royalty, too. Her parents were big time. Her dad was a big time writer, and her mom wrote on uh like all of the shows in like the 60s like bewitched and like a oh i i didn't i didn't know that i just know her as, as she was an animal house right see i just know her as his wife <laughs> and and because of that and then the amount of films we've worked on her and i would would often talk and chat yeah. and so i just think that you know he's, he's lucky he's got a good oh, woman yeah. that, that that really good at what she does and and it works out well for for, for all concerned yeah so Rigo, one thing I love to, this has been great. It's so much fun doing this one question, two questions. I love asking people like first, if that teacher, when you're a freshman in, in Florida, if, if that teacher didn't grab you and say, do this, was there anything else that you like had a passion for? I know it's a young age to, to have that life goal, but was there anything? Um, I doubt very seriously if I would have been an actor, that's for <laughs> yeah. sure. I, I, I doubt that, um, but I, I think I probably would have. Uh, my, my family they were really into uh, 
into business. You know, they were in, my parents kind of like pushed business and my elder brother, uh, elder brothers would go into business. And so I probably would have gone into some, some form of um, business. Uh, I don't think I would have gone into the arts. And it was that teacher who, who kind of like told me that this is something that, that, that you can do. And this is something that you could be good at. I also want to give a shout out to Vivica Fox because Vivica and I have done, I think, five movies wow. together in the in the last uh, no four movies together in the last five years, and um, and she she she's also a producer now, so she and I think she has a, she has a, a deal with uh, with one of these lifetime uh, corporations, so she 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 does them and she's a producer on them as well. But she's someone else who uh, who is. A producer on on set, uh, you can see her uh, wearing her acting hat, and you can see her with her producing hat. And for, for me, now wanting, now getting into producing more, so it was it's been a good um, learning experience for me to to watch her work because Vivica, she's one of the hardest working oh, women yeah. in Hollywood. I mean, she is she she puts the time in, she puts the effort in, she works her butt off. And everything she's got, nothing's been given to her. She's she's earned it. I mean, she could have easily just been this 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 gorgeous girl who played the the, the, the hot chick all the time, and then you know just walked and sailed into the rode off into the sunset. But she wanted to do more than that, and she's a, had an opportunity to do that, and she she has the longevity now on, of her career because of that. But it it hasn't been given to her. Vivica's earned everything that she got. And, and, I, and I'm really proud of her yeah. and, and happy to be her friend. And she's my, she's been my, my, my uh, on-screen uh, husband and lover for, <laughs> for forever now. But in answer to your question, I think I probably would have, um, I probably would have gone to something. Uh, I might've gone into med school or gone to med school or, 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 or something like that because I, I did find that, um, I was, I got addicted to education, to going to school. And at, at some point I just thought, Rico, you got a master's degree, <laughs> you got a bachelor's, and now you've gone to, gone, gone and you got a, you got a, a, a certificate for, for classical theater. And I still wanted to go to school. <laughs> and it was like, at some point I'm like, dude, you got to get out and make some money. Yeah. You can't just keep going to school. But it was, it was also for someone who, who comes from small beginnings, it was a, a kind of safe environment because when you're in, in university and in, in college, there's kind of a safety net there. You know, if something goes wrong, you can go to financial aid. If something there's an issue, you have a counselor there. And, you know, I just enjoyed that, that, um, that, that environment because I thought I could, I could flourish in this environment. And if things go wrong, there's someone to go to. So, so I, I really had to get, force myself to, to get out of the school and actually. Yeah sink or swim you know you can't just do this forever bro at some point you gotta sink or swim <laughs> and then i always like to ask folks like because you never know like like when you're on set like what this is going to turn out to be did you ever keep like mementos from any of the your like early movies or like scripts or like your outfits or anything dude i um you naturally do. Uh, often you work on a film and at the end of the film, people, producers will want some of the stuff in, in case there's a reshoot. But oftentimes you'll be able to take things with you. Uh, what I did find is that when you work on a lot of films like I do, if you if I was on a TV series for five years or 10 years, I probably wouldn't. But when you work on a lot of films, 
you have an opportunity to take a lot of stuff. And so I was just getting stuff and it was just stuff. Yeah. So I, I stopped doing yeah. it. Uh, even with aliens, I remember uh, we had an opportunity to take some stuff and I did not want to take it. And I, the only thing I think I, I did take was I took my dog tag that we had and, of course, the script. And I think that was that was it. Uh, and, and, and even that, the, uh, someone, some, some girl sent me a, a fan letter saying that, that everybody in her class, her, her and her, her little girlfriends are, uh, are um, fans of aliens and, and she's, and she's going to come to school as Frost <laughs> and, and they're all going to come to school at some, some event as the different characters. And I remember, uh, she asked for an autograph and I sent her an autograph, but I also included my dog tag. Oh my God. So she could have that too. And, and that, so that was the only, that was the only kind of cool momentum that I had from, from this, from the show. And I don't even have that. Anymore. But that's cool. Like, again, that's the giving back. Like that is life changing. How long ago was that? Oh man, that probably was like, that probably was like a, like a dozen years yeah. ago, probably like 12 years ago. But um, I I know I said this is gonna blow her freaking mind when she when she sees that I, I that she's got the sign autograph and there's a dog tag, and uh, that's with it. That's so, so cool, Rico. This has been awesome, man. I really loved hearing your story, and I think it's so cool that you were able to within a few years and almost obviously Full Metal Jacket, <laughs> but just the fact that those almost, movies dude. were all. <laughs> circular at the same time it's crazy yeah Yeah. it was it was a great time man and um i was in london you know we were all at that time in london uh even even jeanette jeanette i don't know if you've spoken to jeanette uh but um jeanette this was the alien was her first first yeah big job and it was such a weird experience for her because you know jeanette isn't latina i don't even know if it could happen today because she's not latina uh, she's not dark skinned. They had to put makeup on her. Her eyes are, are green and they had to put brown contact lenses, but she did grow up in LA and she, and she grew up in an environment where, uh, even though she, she kind of, um, she didn't grow up in, on the East side of LA. Uh, I think she was living, uh, closer to Beverly yeah. Hills, but she, had uh, a lot of friends and and acquaintances that 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 were Latino, and I think that helped her find that character. And so when she got cast in the movie, she looked completely different. Dude, she had long wavy hair. She's got really long wavy hair anyway, and uh, and she's 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 quite uh, she's she's not dark at all, and she's got green eyes. So she looked completely different. And then when she came on the set, man, after they had put the makeup on her and the contact lens and cut her hair, but she always had at that time she was um she was into bodybuilding. So when they when they first saw her, they thought, "We want this yeah. girl. Whatever it takes, we we want this girl. If she can act it, and she could, and she showed that she could act it, so that they were going to make it work." But um, she looked, she did, she did the biggest transformation yeah. out of all the all the characters. Her character was the biggest transformation. And, and and second to her, I would say was probably um, Bill Paxton, who who we all all love. Oh uh, yeah, James Cameron's buddy from they knew each other for so James long. Cameron buddy man, James Cameron buddy, and James made him a star man. And and but again, uh, Bill was the type of dude that um, if you give him something to do, 
he's going to figure out how to do it. And he, he was one of, he, he, he was kind of an inspiration because, you know, a lot of times on, on movies, there's a saying that you, you rush, rush, rush to wait, wait, wait. And so there's a lot of waiting when you're waiting, making a movie. There's a lot of downtime where you're just waiting for everything to be set up. But during that downtime, I would always see Bill working on his, on his, on his scene, working on his lines, working on it. And where the other, the rest of us would be talking shit and, <laughs> and Paul Reiser would be telling oh jokes gosh. and, you know, we're having a great time. But Bill did seem to spend more time just really trying to figure out how to make these things work. And, and I was shocked when the film finally came out how good he was on, on screen because when we're shooting it, it didn't come across that way, but, but it, it, he really, I thought stole the show when, when the film came out and, and, uh, and he lived in LA too. So we, we would all often see each other. I would see Bill and Mark and Jeanette more often than anybody else. Yeah. Now I probably only see Jeanette and Paul Reiser. We see, we still uh, stay in close contact. Oh, that's great. And uh, Mark is always busy doing something. <laughs> Oh man, Rico, thank you so much. Thanks for spending an hour and a half with me, man. I really appreciate it. Man, wasn't Rico great? I love all of his stories talking about Eric Roberts, Eliza, how great they are. But man, his memento from aliens, the dog tags, he sent to a fan. Talk about like a life changing moment doing something like that. That just speaks to the kind of guy he is. And I'm happy that that teacher, his freshman year in Florida, pointed to him, said, hey, you should do, you should try out for the play. He said, no, it's like, no, you're doing the play. And it's cool he's setting up those charities to help other kids, you know, at those schools be able to, you know, further their career in arts because there's a lot of kids that probably need that push push financially. And uh, I love that about Rico. So obviously in the notes, I'll put his IMDb. You know him. He's been in so much. And yeah, make sure to check out. He has a lot of exciting stuff coming out that he was excited about. And he's producing on some of it. So you love to see that. So yeah, aliens. We're finally doing it. Jamie is very happy after having to watch Munchie. You know, Munchie go to college. Well, Munchies he always brings up because he had to watch those. Cool is go to college, but man, aliens, woof. Can't wait to talk about it. There's really cool behind the scenes stories that I've already been re- reading to prep for. When I watch it again, maybe a third time, it'll probably be like the 50th time I see in the movie. It's just so freaking good. I'm so excited. You should be excited, and you should remember don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast. Follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night.